Obviously. On the prompt. Ah, yeah, Wi-Fi. You don't understand. Being without proper DSL and Wi-Fi for three weeks make, makes weird things go through your brain. Welcome to The Prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is December 4th, 2013. Welcome back to the world's greatest podcast. This is episode number 25. I am Mike Hurley and I am joined by the returning man, Mr. Federico Fittici. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, Mike. I'm doing great. How are you? I am very well. And Stephen Hackett, how are you, sir? Doing well. How are you guys? Very good. Very good. Well, really exciting show. We've got an awesome special guest later I still on. have the internet at oh, home. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a continuing effort by my new ISP, which has been really awesome so far. So, you know, stuff keeps going on. It, it continues to work, and I'm... We're all happy. Mike, are you happy in general with your life? Are you satisfied with <laughs> the things that go on with your life? <laughs> oh. in, in general, yes, Federico, I am satisfied yeah, I, with my life. And, and I'm, I'm glad, Mike. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad about your, you know, your well-being. I've, uh, I've been testing my life for, for 25 years, and uh, I'm happy to report that it's good. <laughs> <laughs> joke never gets old. I don't know if anybody understands that joke. It's fine. Do. It's fine. Um, yeah, we're back. It's our silver wedding anniversary. Yay, us. So I got you guys something. Oh, do we ever get married? It's hard to say. That's what happens when you agree. Did well, you not we didn't have a big ceremony. We well, didn't get um, drunk together. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, two of us have. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, just leave your country. Yeah, I was trying to uh, find a gift to um, celebrate this, but I can't find one that I want. So, so we just have to go without. Yeah. So happy anniversary, twenty-five. Thanks. Pretty cool. So <sighs> you're taking me out to dinner or what? Yeah. Yeah. I'll oh, okay. be I'll be over after we uh, put the show up. <laughs> this is our okay. this is our silver jubilee. Yes, the Queen's Jubilee. Didn't she have a Silver Jubilee? Yes, because she's been around for a long time. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, so, is it about that time? I think it's time for follow-up. Follow-up. Guys. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we made a huge mistake. <laughs> we I, I put in the show notes, the iPad has an undo button, semicolon, we are morons. And so, uh, long-time feedback giver, Cal's the Grey, and a newcomer, 69 it's uh, it's kyle seth gray is it kyle's yeah. the gray is like i just like read a character yeah it's like a character from the lord the lord of the rings, <laughs> lord of the rings. kyle's the gray <laughs> and and i just read 69 out loud and realized what that means what he's getting at there uh, um <laughs> oh. were the first two of many people to point out that on the ipad keyboard on oh, no, the secondary or uh, third, key, what's the word for third? Not secondary, but tertiary. Yes, uh, that keyboard has you an undo button. You didn't trust me for a second. Well, Did you, you get R's <laughs> and S's and things mixed up. Mm. Say, Mike, what day of the week is it tomorrow? Thursday. Mm, you didn't do it. Sometimes you do it. Yeah, well, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. 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 The day of fur. 
uh, it has an undo button, and um, as soon as I saw that, I, I like I like set my phone down, just like walked out of the room. I was like, <laughs> "Come on, like we didn't catch it." So in my, yes, in my defense, where I did, of course, not realize this. Uh, I I I think that people thought that when we were ridiculing the shake to undo gesture, that we were only talking about the iPad, and I think. Well, at least for me, anyway. I, I think I think that the whole gesture is ridiculous. Even on the iPhone, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Not that I have a better solution. I don't think there is one. But uh, but yeah, I do actually because the ridiculous thing about it is I use that undo button as the only way to undo things on the iPad. I never shake mm-hmm. the iPad because yeah. it, it seems like such a ridiculous thing to me that you I mean, do it. That really, I kind of forget about it. Out of the three of us. Federico should be the most sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I guess I'm just used to shaking. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, in my defense, though, um, you have to. I guess that I never noticed it because if I can avoid, you know, tapping on the uh, one, two, three button to to change the keyboard, uh, I try to 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 you know to stay on on the normal keyboard. So maybe the reason why. My muscle memory doesn't go there. It's because I'm used to the iPhone. So when I got the iPad, uh, I didn't. And I mean, it's been three years, so I, I, it's not like I'm making this up. <laughs> I, 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 I never really see. There was a. About- you could have got away with this really easy, Federico, and be like, "It's not on the Italian keyboard." Yeah, but that's not true. Yeah, but you could have just said that, and nobody yeah, would have checked. No, no, people would have checked. Yeah, but those people, they will talk to you in Italian, so we can't understand them. No, yeah, yeah sure. it's like you on Facebook. It's all but there is there is Casey. There is Casey with Google Translate. What did he so, say? I didn't look it up. What did he say? Uh, a bunch of sexy things. Really. Oh. <laughs> we should uh, we we should find dig that tweet up, put it in the show notes. No, that, that was actually pretty good Italian. Let me tell you. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Casey Casey is actually pretty good at using Google Translate. I mean, he's good at, at many things, but Google Translate is a, is a new skill that he acquired, I guess. <laughs> um, or maybe secretly is Italian. I don't know. I don't. I don't think he is. I didn't eat pasta with him, so I couldn't tell if it was casual or not. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He didn't. I don't think he drank any grappa at WWDC. <laughs> is it, why do you assume that we, we're always drinking grappa? I don't know. It's wh- <laughs> we talk about so it. It's either, it's either grappa or coffee, so it's not really a yeah. healthy lifestyle. No. How are you not? How is everyone not dead? <laughs> um, the the next piece is not it's sort of follow up, but it reminded me of a product that I had totally forgotten about, which probably says something about the product. Uh, uh, Patrick Welker over on Twitter um, said, "Christmas time should be peaceful." I found a way to unpolarize the prompt, um, and he pointed us to the Modbook. And the Modbook has been around for a long time. The new one is the Modbook Pro. And basically what these guys do is they behead a MacBook or now a MacBook Pro, flip it around, and make a tablet out of it. So it's, you know, it runs like OS slap 10. slap a, a Wacom, like a Cintiq yeah. or something on it. Yeah. like So it's like a full, like, touch-sensitive, like, Wacom tablet over top of OS X. Um, I will say, like... Uh, I remember I mean, this from, like, when it came about. Yeah, and the first one... Uh, so I, I put a sort of a joke link in about someone did it with an iBook G3, which is not what you want. But they did do it with the original MacBook, and I, I couldn't find a link. Maybe, Mike, you can. And it's definitely a lot more elegant now. And, you know, I, I could see this being popular with, you know, people doing, you know, things like Adobe Illustrator or something like that. But 
I've never seen one in person. Like I can't imagine they sell a lot of them, but it is uh, an interesting, interesting thing. Why would you use a MacBook? Like, uh, I, I, I don't. Why, why not just get an iPad? Well, originally this was created before there was such a thing. Yeah, it was like 2007 or something with the original yeah. like white MacBook, hmm. which actually came out in 2006. But um, it's just difficult to find. Oh, I found a Gizmodo review in 2008. Yeah, this is the original one, so I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, put it all in. You can find the show notes at theprom.pt slash 25. <laughs> I just like saying that URL. I know you do. You um, really like saying the prom. The prom.pt. It, it, I don't know. What is, where's that PT from? What country is that? Portugal? Uh, Portugal, yeah. It's got to be Portugal. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess if you want like OS 10 on a tablet, and like I'll, I'll admit, like when they, when the tablet was rumored, I like sort of hoped that it would run OS 10. Of course, that was very uh, short sighted, but I'm an analyst, so I can be wrong about very obvious things. Mm. Um, well, it does run OS ten. Well, it does. It does run OS ten. But that's you know a what I mean. lie. It's such a lie. <laughs> it's just a no, lie. It's, it's the mock kernel and no, BSD and protected it memory. It's a lie. It's Spotlight. So guys, are, are you HFS getting me Plus. a notebook for our anniversary? Right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> this is why we're talking about it, right? They're <laughs> really how, ex- how expensive are these things? Um, it's like a thousand euros, dollars. Uh, Pounds. This is excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I don't know. This has uh, not gone well for you. <laughs> You're a uh, store. Let's see. U.S. store. Oh, it's on. You can save a thousand dollars right now. Uh, it's seventeen ninety nine for the for mod the your own. And so, then, so I buy a MacBook Pro and I send it in. So hey, it's it's twenty five to three thousand dollars. Oh, all right. I see. It it even runs Mavericks. What this is a, this, Are you guys on their it, store page? Yeah. What what's up with the the character like the cartoon character looking very sad or scared? I think, I think that's like this is the kind of stuff you can do. I, I don't ah, see that. That, what? that does make sense all of a sudden. <laughs> like you can you can draw. Like cuz it, it it utilizes is it called Inkwell? Yes. Yes. So oh yes, I get to do Apple history stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh Inkwell is derived from the software that was built for the Newton. Okay. And if, if you don't, and system preferences is turned off unless you hook up a Wacom tablet. I think there's some ways to like manually turn it on. But basically, it does handwriting and pen recognition stuff for OS X. Yes. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. So I mean, we'll put a link, in, a link into the show notes for that. I remember the original pages because I wanted one of these like when they were first announced. So yeah. I've I remember the page from when I used to to, to read it to to actually see if it was something that I actually was going to think about buying. Um, I ended up just buying a MacBook because that was much more sensible. But they were really pimping the the fact that you could, you could write on it and it will recognize what you're saying. Like it was a a big thing that they did. I I want I want to buy a Newton again. Why though? Because I'm sure there's a Newton app that can just. No, give you everything you need. <laughs> well, you don't need any of it. I, I used one in college, like with a little fold out. Like had a, it was like I was like Federico. Like it came in a little case and I had a, a little keyboard that hooked up to it. And I took notes and did email. I, I synced my .dot mac email to it. 
Did you have a blog? Uh, I did. I had a personal blog that is now no more. But hmm. so in my in my uh, secondary school, I have no idea what the equivalent is. It's, I can't high think of this right now. High school. Yeah. I, yeah. I guess so. Like eight, uh, nine, like eighth, seventh, or eighth grade and up, basically. Uh, yeah. Uh, we had emates. Yes, I have an emate. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Mike had an emate. <laughs> emate. Yeah. Emate. Of course, he did, mate. Uh, yeah. Emate. So the emate was kind of like if you took a Newton and turned it into a laptop, right? Is my understanding like it's a lot of the, it's yeah it was ba- a Newton. Ba- no, it was a Newton it was a Newton product I didn't know that yeah, yeah. I just looked at Wikipedia it ran it ran Newton OS so this is the 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 egg freckles stuff right? yeah the yeah jokes about yeah. the the hand writing yeah. oh we should do a cool. Newton episode if only we knew somebody. I know a lot of people. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I we all do. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Everybody doing okay? Doing good? I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> it sounded like you were asking us a question that we was went off from, the show. Well, we went from follow-up to... Uh, How is your life? Even, yeah. <laughs> and then we've basically just started a whole new topic. What's, where are we? Where are we in this list? Are we through the follow-up? Is that through the follow-up? Um, oh, I have... One piece of follow-up. Uh, last week, we talked about and linked to our St. Jude Marathon team. And um, we raised so much money that my brother-in-law, who runs the team, upped the goal. And then a couple nights ago, Federico and I and a, a bunch of other people, so I think all of you, uh, tweeted about it and shared it on Facebook and stuff. And we raised like $1,200 overnight, and uh, which is awesome. And so he has raised the goal again. <laughs> and uh, it's... Uh, it's coming right along. So that, that marathon is this weekend, assuming that our giant ice storm that we're supposed to get doesn't kill everybody. He needs to stop raising that goal, though. <laughs> I know. It's like, come on, like, let us feel... This is going to get difficult at some point, even for us. <laughs> Let's Good. see. Uh, Don't let him do it anymore. You're at $16,378, which is incredible, mm-hmm. against a goal of 17500 Yeah. Um, so that'll be in the show notes again. Thank you, everyone who is uh, is making that those goals possible. It means it means the world to us. But but please stop raising it. Yeah, I'll, I'll text him and tell him that. <laughs> stop. Because it would be Take- really nice if we can help you guys get there. Yeah. yeah. It's a treadmill. <laughs> treadmill marathon. <laughs> that would take forever, but be much warmer. Uh, two of my friends. This is a totally unnecessary story. But I'm going to tell it now. There was a conversation amongst a bunch of friends about marathons, and one friend said, "I could run a marathon on no training." Um, uh, to which all of the other friends said, "That is impossible." So he ran 26 miles on a treadmill. What he did it I, to, to, actually, and then another of my friends who was losing weight at the time joined in, and they did it no training. It was like they did it like a couple of months later. They had to get like they went to a gym and they had to get their gym to agree to it, and they had to sign some forms and stuff. Right. So when you ultimately die, the gym yeah. isn't liable, and also so the gym people could have people there, and then like they were able to use it as like a publicity thing. But yeah, they they did it. They did uh, they did they did a marathon. That's crazy. So congratulations to them, I guess. Congratulations to Mike's nameless friends. <laughs> um, Mike, Mike, you have very particular friends. What, because they do marathons on treadmills? <laughs> yeah, no, that's completely normal. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. Well, I guess I have you guys as friends as well. You're very particular. 
Shall uh, take a break and then we'll get uh, Dr. Drang on the show. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Excellent. So I want to take a quick moment to thank our friends over at squarespace.com because they help make this show possible. Squarespace are the only one platform that make it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off your first purchase, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO12. It's December, guys. It's TALLYHO12 now. Squarespace are constantly doing great work to make sure that their platform is fantastic. They're always adding new features. They're making new designs. They're updating their designs. They've got brand new designs all the time. Beautiful templates that they've got there. And continuing to make their support fantastic. Um, The beautiful designs that I mentioned, they just look fantastic. They're they're incredible. Squarespace sites just look very, very professionally done. Like You go to a Squarespace website and it doesn't look like just a theme from some you know theme garden or like something like that uh, they just look like websites that were designed by professional designers because really that's that's what they are and people can you can go in and make your tweaks as you want if you want to change th- fonts and stuff if you want to change the way some colors look you can do all of that and that's really easy to do if you want to change the way that your pa- the pages are laid out it's all drag and drop and you can you want to maybe put a twitter widget down the bottom where you can do that or you want to move it up to the top where you just click and drag it it's very simple to do it's kind of the way the website's feel like they should be built, you know, in in this modern day and age. It's just very simple. When I have a site that I want to put on the web, I don't go anywhere else, and I haven't gone anywhere else for years. Um, I I love Squarespace. I just think that they're fantastic with all all the stuff that they do. They have 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week support, even over the holidays. So they had people in over on Thanksgiving as well to help people if they needed them. They have over 70 employees over at Squarespace that are dedicated to support. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. They even include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. They have their commerce plans and platforms. So if you want to sell things, you can do all of that. They have a whole new suite of iOS apps, which look absolutely fantastic. Um, Every design at Squarespace automatically includes a unique mobile experience so your site's going to look fantastic on all devices whether you surf the web on iPads like Federico or on iPhones like me or on the Mac like Steven it's going to look great every single time Squarespace do a lot to help support this show all of 5x5 if you enjoy the show then you should go and check them out so go to squarespace.com sign up for a free trial play around and I know you're going to fall in love with it and when you do make sure that you use the code tallyho12 T-A-L-L-Y-H-O-1-2. It's going to get you 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the show. Thank you so much to Squarespace. They're giving you everything that you need to create an exceptional website. So now we have a special guest joining us on the prompt this week. Um, long-time listeners will know him as a member of my family. Uh, it's <laughs> We have with us Dr. Drang. Thank you, Doctor, for joining us today. Thank you, Mike. Hello, boys. Hey, Doctor. Hi. <laughs> hey, Doc. Are What's gonna, up, Doc? Are you going to be calling me Doctor? Uh, uh, probably. Doc, oh. maybe. Drang. Okay. That, okay. D- double, double D. <laughs> okay. That's, okay. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so what have you on, Abe, because you're amazing in every way. Although now you're the snowman is in our Google document. you got to watching me. Yes. Watching me work. Kind of creepy. <laughs> Um, you know, in its own way. Yeah, yeah. But we wanted to get into some stuff. But I think uh, before that, I think Federico had a a, a snowman related question, which I know mm-hmm. you get yeah. everywhere you go since you are physically a snowman. Yes, it's my time of year. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah so i i, I don't want to ask why you why you chose a you know to to use a, a nickname or you know to have a, a snowman as a, as a as a profile picture i i just i want to ask like a follow-up to that question if you ever miss not being able to to share more of your personal identity or life or you know just maybe using instagram or facebook that kind of stuff if you ever if you ever you're like oh i wish i, I could you know talk more about myself because that's something that people do people like to post pictures of the of what they're eating for breakfast or you know just that kind of silly stuff and and to me it looks like you're perfectly fine with not you know not caring about the kind of internet uh, i guess trends well i do uh i, I do in fact miss um uh, occasionally uh, not being myself on mm -hmm. the internet um I mean, this is me. It, it, you know, everything that I say is me. I'm not putting on uh, a persona. I'm just doing it under a different name. Um, but yeah, there there are things uh, that of a more personal nature that I would like to do, or that I have to be careful about. You know, oh, I've you know I've given up I've given up my location. I shouldn't do that. Or I've you know oh, there's something here that has my real name. I gotta go. I've gotta go cancel that before the rest of the world sees it. Um, Overall, um, and, and I have certainly had uh, plenty of opportunity to change, and I've thought about a lot just, you know, coming out, as it mm -hmm. were, um, and I just, I just haven't gotten around to it mainly because I'm, uh, I'm lazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. there, you know, I, I did it to begin with, um, being pseudonymous. I, I did it that way because I wasn't sure about my client base and wh mm -hmm. what they would think about um, having someone blogging and having a lot of written material out on the internet that could be searched. And so, I, and I still have some concerns about that. Um, so, so I've kept things the way they are. But yeah, mm -hmm. I do. I do miss sometimes not being who I actually am. Uh, and not being able to, you know, certain things I'm signed up under my real name, certain things I'm signed up as Dr. Drang. I have to be careful about which I let loose <laughs> as far as far as the Dr. Drang persona uh, mm -hmm. goes. And, uh, you know, things like, oh, you know, do you want to play letterpress? Well, no, not really, because on <laughs> letterpress, I'm me, I think. Uh, I, I can't even remember, but I think I'm me under letterpress. And so, I, you know, I play with my wife and, and my daughter. Uh, games, but I don't play against my friends on the internet, which, and I do miss that. And, and, and you, you mentioned that primarily because you're lazy, and uh, so uh, I have a second question that I wanted to ask. So uh, you've been, I guess, on, on the internet for a long time, uh, certainly more than the three of us, and so you've seen maybe a lot of, you know, internet trends and and apps, web, web services, and, and maybe even programming languages, because that seems to be the sort of thing that, that you, you know, that you're knowledgeable about. And so you've seen a lot of things come and go. And um, I <laughs> Why, guess. yes, I have, young fellow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, maybe I've, I've been writing for Mac Stories for, for five years, and, and before I wasn't really, uh, you know, a big internet geek, you know, I was just using maybe a few f foreign boards for the video games, that, that kind of stuff. I, I wasn't really checking on serious stuff. 
and and I guess that you that you've been using the the internet for CEO stuff more than more than me. So what I want to ask is um, how do you decide whether you want to uh, you know, sign up for a new service, try a new app, or uh, get into a new programming language. Like, how do you decide to invest your attention, and how has that changed over the years? It, it's uh, it's changed a lot over the years, and uh, I've gotten more conservative um, about what I bother to get involved in uh, as time has gone on. Now, part of that is simply because there's so much more available to get involved in now and you, you can't you can't do it all. And I've also seen enough things come and go that um, I, I, I know to wait now. And the other thing, I mean, I'm 53 years old. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to follow trends slavishly. I, you know, I'm not a 14-year-old girl. So, <laughs> you know, it's... Um, it's just, well, I'm not Casey Liss either. Who, <laughs> who I have to say, I really, I the emoji do not bother me because I have been, you know, texting with with my wife and daughter for a long, long time, and the emoji is is all over the place. So Casey is like part of the family when I see him to, on Twitter. Um, so anyway, but back to your real your real original question, I try to keep myself using as few apps as I can and using as few web services as I can. I don't experiment with them. I don't try out new things nearly as much as I used to. Um, I'm, I get, as, as I've gotten older, uh, I'm less inclined to want to change the way I'm doing things. I'm also less inclined to start up on something that's new because I have a sense that things that are new are not going to get old. Uh, very, very few new things end up getting old hmm. and uh, they just don't last long enough. And then if I've gotten myself into a habit of using product A and product A goes away, then I'm screwed and I'm tired of that. Uh, that's, 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 happen, there, that's happened plenty of times hmm. over the and, years. And has there been a, an exception in the past few years, like something that you didn't think would, would last you know, for a long time and that you're still using today? Uh, I don't know, maybe like the iPhone, for instance. I, no, I really thought the iPhone was, was, was going to last. I mean, it really seemed like it was, it was the right thing right away. It was, it was amazingly correct from the beginning. I mean, we can, we can think now, we look back at, at how limited it was at the time compared to what we have now. And yes, it was. But when you think about what a smartphone was at the time, it was like, you know, the, uh, the Nokia N95 or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were ridiculous. Um, it, was, it was just this amazing thing. And I got, I didn't get the first one when it first came out, but I got it a few months later. And it just, and I, and I you know, I did a little bit of homework to make sure that is this going to be the right thing for me? I was worried about its size. Um, I can remember drawing pictures of it you know, making making little cutouts of it because uh-huh. it it was huge. Remember how huge the iPhone was? Oh yeah. <laughs> and was, was, oh my God! How could we possibly want a phone that was this big in our pockets? Oh, oh no! And and now, of course, everything has changed. Five, six years later, oh, this thing is so tiny. How could we possibly have it? it it's yeah. it's so weird. 
talking yeah, about that, I remember when, um, like, you know, because we, we've been using uh, cell phones or mobile phones, if you live where I live, for, for years beforehand. And there were just little things where I was like, I wonder if the iPhone will do this. Like, does it have a vibrate motor in it? Like, this was a question that I would ask, like, I, I genuinely had and couldn't find, like, a good answer for for a while. Because it's like, okay, it says that it has a mute ringer switch. But if I put it on mute, do I just not get notified at all? Because it was just these little questions. It was like, well, you don't know the answer to them because the device hadn't been released. But it's just funny to think back to stuff like that now. But do I have all these little questions? Because it was this totally new thing that was only kind of like the thing that it was replacing. Well, and you know, and, and those questions, those were not foolish questions because you may remember, you couldn't send photos along with your texts yeah. with the first iPhone, which was wrong, you know, and everybody knew it was wrong. Interestingly, of course, uh, Apple's point of view on that, I think, was we just send, just send them an email. Yeah, right. The problem was, at that time, the people you were friends with didn't have a smartphone and couldn't get email on their phones. They could only get text messages or, or MMS. And so, um, or is that is that the is that the right term? Anyway, yes, yeah, they, nice. um, so if you wanted to send them a picture sort of on the go and make sure that they got it on their phone, it had to be in, in a text message. It couldn't be by email because they'd never get email. It was it was kind of an interesting blind spot. Uh, although I, I I don't remember when they got that fixed. I know they got it fixed, like maybe software version two of the software, maybe. Yeah, I remember it being a a feature point. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it and yeah. it was overseas first. AT and T was slow for it, and so it was like you know if your carrier supports it, it was like ha ha. Oh, that's right. <laughs> one, uh, yeah, that's right. AT and T was slow on several things. Yeah. Yeah. One of the many things that they did. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's a good. Um, a good segue. You know, we've been talking the last couple of weeks about um, using your iPad as a, your main computing device. We talked about about your post about your wife, you know, using an iPad over a over a laptop, and um, you know, I've really been really f- fascinated by this idea that um, you know how parallel uh, will the Mac and iOS devices end up being. No, they they both started as something you know relatively basic, relatively um, expensive um, for for a lot of yeah. people, and prices came down both on you know both fronts. And, and I just wonder how long that will will stay in parallel, or if they've or if they're already diverging. I just kind of wanted to open that up and see see what people thought. Well, uh, I I think it's I think it's a great topic, and I have always thought that they that that the iPad, not so much the iPhone, because that's not as close to being a regular computer as the iPad was. But when the iPad came out, I immediately thought of the early Mac, which was very locked down. Uh, it was it was a closed system and not closed in in the um, in the way that we think of it like with the app store closed. It was closed because you couldn't, Put exp- you couldn't put slots in it, or it didn't have no slots to put cards in it, which was uh, a shocking thing back in those days, and especially uh, because of the success of the Apple II, yeah. because of its expanded expandability. Um, and yet, uh, and, and that, you know, when the iPad came out, and I'm, I'm certainly not the only person to have said this. But I think a lot of people had the same thought. The iPad seemed like what Steve Jobs wanted when he came out with the Mac. Hmm. 
it was it was but they they are very similar in that they're intensely personal now the the mac doesn't seem intensely personal now but it was at the time um and because it was i mean i had a uh, i had a fat mac i had the second generation of macintosh which i got in early 1985 um so it had uh the big 512k of memory it Ooh, had man, it, you were killing it i was i was rocking <laughs> It had uh, two disk drives, internal and external, and I had had an ImageWriter one. And I even bought the. Uh, you may have because Stephen, I know you're a collector. Do you have the bag? I do have the bag. Oh, I got. I don't know what happened to my bag. I what mean, is I know the that bag. <laughs> it was. It was a. It was a canvas uh, beige bag with. Uh, I think a little rainbow stripe on it somewhere. Uh huh. And a shoulder strap that you would put your Mac into and your keyboard. You put the Mac and the keyboard, you'd slide them into this bag. It was kind of like a squarish bag. And in the in the promotional photos for the Mac, you'd sling it like a messenger bag around you and, you know, get on your bicycle and go across campus. With a Macintosh and on your shoulder? We, yes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> wow. Now remember, this was the this was the the little five twelve by three forty two pixel guy, black and white. It was, it was a tiny thing, for the time, and I did in fact. Uh, I was in graduate school at the time, and I did in fact carry it back and forth from my apartment to my office, not on a bicycle, because I only lived half a block away from where my office was, uh, luckily. But but I would carry it back and forth, and uh, it was great. It was spectacular, and my friends who had PCATs could never do that. It, it really, it, you know, it's so, it's big. so yeah, yeah. I've got a. I think mine is with uh, one of my Mac Pluses. But yeah, I mean, you can just put the thing on, and you know, I I totally agree with the you know the the iPad sort of. Sort of, the, in many ways, the perfection of the idea of the original Macintosh—that it was yeah. intimate, that it was extremely approachable. I mean, the Mac brought the mouse to the masses. Um, the iPad, in many ways, brought touch—you know, at least touch on a you know something bigger than a phone—to uh, the masses. I think there's definitely a, a parallel there in that sort of appliance mentality that this is a an object, an item you interact with, and not necessarily a complicated machine like. Don't worry yourself about what's going on behind the curtain. Just worry about you know what you can make with it. Yeah, and the reaction among doubters was exactly the same. Uh, it was it was all the, the Mac was always considered a toy, and the iPhone, uh, iPad rather, not so much considered a toy. But we've got the consumption versus creation argument started right from the right from the beginning. And, and has continued to this day now three plus years into the iPad era. The other thing that was um, similar uh, about the two things is that the Mac did not come with a programming language built in, which was not unheard of, but definitely unusual for personal computers at the time. Certainly low-end com- uh, personal computers like the Commodore 64s and the uh, Radio Shack Trash 80s and I think the Sinclairs um, and, and, and other things like that, they always came with BASIC. BASIC was, in fact, the operating system 
for, for many of these computers. The Mac had none of that. Uh, you couldn't develop real apps on the Mac for the Mac. Uh, at first, you had to have a Lisa to be able to do anything with it, and you know, obviously there's a parallel there. Um, I will say, though, that the Mac developed... Uh, the Mac opened up much faster than the iPad has opened up. Within uh, a year or two, you could do real development work on a Macintosh. Uh, what were considered, uh, you know, serious applications that uh, serious both in the sense of um, business people being interested in them, but also in programmers and com- computer enthusiasts being interested in them. You could you could do those things m- much sooner on the Mac than you've been able to do them on the iPad. Now Federico may disagree with that, but. <laughs> But I think, and certainly by now, thing, things are things are are moving. I think fairly rapidly uh, in that direction. But if you think about programming on an iPad and customizing it, you know, doing things where you can script to get it to work just the way you like, you're still pretty limited. Oh yeah. On on an iPad, I mean, Federico certainly has found out, figured out so many clever ways to get around its limitations. Um, but it, it's not nearly as as many ways as we had by the equivalent time in the history of the Mac, which would have been like 1987 or 88. Hmm. So uh, let me ask you, Doctor, uh, wh- when you when you talk about programming in the 80s, uh, you're not talking about punch cards, right? Because I tried to make a reference in the, in the past episode, and I and I think that I wanted to sound smart, but uh, I think that I really said something that wasn't accurate. So what are punch cards exactly? <laughs> You're, you're kidding. You don't know what punch cards are, really? I, I guess that they are cards with, uh, My like, God. Uh, with dots and that you <laughs> used, to, used to use these cards to, uh, like to store a program. I, uh, I am among the last generation of people to have actually used a key punch machine to type out my first programs. Um, when I took my first programming la- uh, language course in, I guess, 1977, 77 or 78, mm-hmm. uh, the, um, it was a Fortran course, uh, obviously, because that's what engineers always took. And I had the, the most important thing that I had to learn was not learning Fortran. It was, and the most difficult thing to learn was not learning Fortran. The most difficult thing to learn was how to use the goddamn key punch machine. Um, and yeah, it was a, the, the cards were what seven eight inches long, three to four inches wide, and they you would uh, insert them into a you, you'd have a stack of them in a, in an input bin of, a, of the key punch machine, which looked like a typewriter with some weird growths on it. And you'd type away, and a card would come in and be inserted, and you would type your program one line per card. And you could see as you were typing, it would actually print the character that you were typing along the top edge of the card, and but it would also punch a couple, one or two holes, if I'm remembering right. This is, this is where you need John Syracuse. <laughs> one or two holes below... Um, below the, the, the letter or, or number that you were typing. And uh, it was, of course, you would read the print and um, the machine 
that you the computer which you later fed all these a stack of these cards into would read the holes now I knew uh, people uh, I, I had friends who were computer science majors who um, could read the cards without looking at the print oh oh that's they like were, they were really pros they were hmm. they were they were really pros now and, and that was actually a useful skill to have back in those days because the key punch machines were always in common areas and especially in a university environment they weren't necessarily very well maintained and the uh, the, the ribbon for for printing out the the characters along the top strip would get worn out and so you'd be typing away and you you, you couldn't see what you were typing anymore <laughs> Um, so, and if so, you made a mistake, uh, well, it, 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 this is a little bit of history. If you made a mistake, your first instinct was, I've, I've screwed up. This is, I'm done. I, I have to throw the card away. So you, there was a, an eject button there. It would, it would eject the card out of the way so it wouldn't <laughs> go into your stack of good cards and you'd have to type the line over again. Later on, you learned as you became a skilled key punch operator, you learned that you could replicate a card up to the point of your mistake hmm. and then take over and, and, then, and then redo it. So it wasn't quite like being able to erase because obviously you can't erase a hole that got punched into the card. But uh, anyway, so yes, we had, we had uh, stacks of cards and so then you'd take your stack up to the priesthood that, that ran the computer center and they would then take it around back into the, into the chapel and feed it into the card reader. It would go into the computer. All of this stuff was batch processing. There was no interactive programming at the time. Well, there was, but we didn't get to see it at the level, you know, undergraduate level. Um, and then sometime later, whenever the priesthood decided to uh, pick up a bunch of the fanfold output paper from the computer, they would they would... Take it. This was what being a computer operator was at the time. You'd go over to the line printer, you'd pick things out, then you'd split the, the paper apart at for the various people, for the various jobs, and then go out to the bins, which were alphabetized, and so then uh, in the, they'd put them in like a little post office box, and then the people who had written their programs would go along and see, oh yes, I had a, uh, I had a syntax error on line 15, I have to go back and do it again. Uh, it could take you it would take you hours to debug programs because wow. uh, it just, this batch process took forever to okay, get so done. I, gu I guess I was pretty wrong about my reference. So. <laughs> this is <laughs> quite a bit of history. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, do, was... you, do you remember switching from these punch cards to uh, real programming on a screen? Uh, yes. How was the transition like? It was magical. It was, it was unbelievable. When I first uh, logged into a terminal, and, I, and indeed, we logged in. This was, it was a terminal. It was not a computer itself. It was simply a dumb terminal that was hooked up to a mainframe elsewhere on campus. It had only uh, uppercase letters because you, you didn't use lowercase letters on computers. Um, but it was spectacular because I could backspace and and. And, yes, and correct my errors as I was going along. You yeah. laugh. This and and yet and and the uh, programming uh, or the editor that that we used was a line editor. It was not a full screen editor, um, which means it was uh, you know this is like pre VI. Huh. Uh, 
that, that we're okay. talking about. So if you wanted to you wanted to edit a line, you could you would have to say like E seven, and that would allow you to edit line seven. Then it would show you line seven, and then you could move your cursor around and change. But you didn't get to see the whole thing, and you certainly couldn't scroll easily. Uh, you could print four or five lines at a time. You could you could well you could probably print twenty lines at a time, or maybe twenty four depending on the size of the screen. Um, but it, you couldn't just cursor up or do any of the sorts of things that you could do even in uh, a, a, an editor like VI. Uh, you, it was it was very crude, but but to me it was it was spectacular. It was <laughs> unbelievably easy to program in a situation like that, and you could submit your your program uh, to the compiler, find out what mistakes you'd made, and correct it right away. It was it was a wonderful environment. Right. And, it, it, took, uh, it, it took away that level of abstraction where I'm sending my program off into the world by itself, and a guy is going to run it for me, and then I see the outcome. And that, you know, it, it it took that and put it much closer to to you as as the programmer. Absolutely, and everything about computing has gotten closer to us over these years. I mean, the computer itself was in a used to be in a building by itself. It used to be you never saw it. I mean, when I was a freshman taking a programming class, I never saw the computer that my programs ran on, ever. It was behind closed doors. It was tended to by the priesthood, as I said. <laughs> it was, you never saw it. Then, okay, then as I, as I became an upperclassman and I started working on terminals, okay, I'm still not seeing the computer. But I'm in front of something that at least is directly connected to the computer. There's a wire that's going from my thing to the computer. Yeah, through a, through right? a, a wall or something. like. <laughs> yeah. Then when I was in graduate school and I bought a, a Mac, there's my own computer right there in front of me uh, that, I, that I do things with. And, uh, and because I didn't go through a, a period of, you know, like using a PC, uh, I, I had a mouse. It was, it was a lot more in, intimate relationship because to us it seemed like you were touching the screen you know of course you we now obviously now we know what touching the screen is like but with the mouse seemed that way and then uh you know and then you start getting laptops and you have the, this computer that you can carry with you all over the place and now you have the one in your pocket and you have the one in, in your backpack and you have you know it's everything is is about having the computer closer and closer to us uh through the last 35 years of my life so I want to step in, gentlemen, and uh, we have to take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors for this episode. But, um, Doctor, we have much more. That, that Well, I think Federico has lots more he wants to ask you, <laughs> at least. So uh, I want to take a quick break to thank our friends over at HostGator.com. They are a premier web hosting provider. If you're looking to start a website, HostGator can help you get started with monthly hosting plans, one-click installs, and tons of other features that make getting your site up and running super easy. But if you're a more advanced user or a business, HostGator can take care of you with reset-up plans, VPS, and dedicated servers. HostGator guarantees 99.9% uptime no matter your size or needs. And when you host with HostGator, you're going to get unlimited disk space and bandwidth because that's how awesome they are. If you're a WordPress user, you're going to love their one-click installs and optimized hosting platform. And they have free site building tools that are super easy to use if that's what you want. And if you, But if you find yourself needing any help at all over at HostGator.com, they have 24-7 support to ensure that everything is running smoothly. So go and head over to HostGator.com right now to learn more. And when you decide to purchase, don't forget to use the coupon code PROMPT20. 
12. That's P-R-O-M-P-T-1-2. That's going to get you 30% off over at HostGator.com. Thank you so much to HostGator for the support of the prompt and 5 by 5 One thing we've been... I, uh, hi. <laughs> I need to, no, I, I need to make my answer shorter. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not letting you guys talk. I'm no, it's taking great. over the show like, like Merlin. By the way, you have not had Merlin on this show. And I think that's a violation of some sort of podcasting rule, isn't it? Yeah, we are in breach is it because of the, two, uh, is the it, Man Treaty. Um, <laughs> is it because two of you are, are in the Eurozone that you're allowed to do, get away with this? Yeah, there's a, there's a loophole. Okay, well, In which good, he cannot enforce his rules because of the European dominance of this show. I hope Interpol does not get after you guys. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, we are, we're going to change that. Don't have no fear. Um, no, I have no fear because I, I, I think you know Merlin is like the blob. He just he expands to fill all podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, we we've talked a uh, you know again looking back over the last several episodes. I think really uh, an over uh, a topic that has reached basically since the very beginning of the prompt um, is talking about like using air quotes, uh, normal people versus like whatever it is we are. Um, and there's, um, uh, Federico put a really good link, um, in the show notes, um, uh, about this. And, you know, I know, you know, Federico and Mike, you guys, I think have always been like, you know, nerdy, but kind of came into technology, you know, computers, internet branded technology, um, you know, sort of, you know, relatively recently, you know, not, you know, not as early as, as, as some other people. And I think I'm kind of in the middle and, you know, um, and so I think the, the four of us would self-identify as, as some brand of, of nerd or geek or whatever word you want to use. Um, and, and so I know, I mean, Federico, you know, I think you, you had a quote in here, you know, you kind of want to walk us through what this article is meant to you. Yeah, this is actually um, a friend of mine. He's from Italy too. And um, he's basically talking about the fact that this idea that we have of normal people uh, is, uh, is, isn't is really accurate because normal people don't exist. Uh, and, and uh, Let me quote. So the misconception is that because most people don't actually understand PCs or Macs, they do not have serious needs. That is wrong. People don't do serious stuff on their, on their PCs because PCs are incomprehensible to them. They just don't work as they would expect. So they end up giving up and stop trying. And I, and I think that this is a good point because um, he's talking about the fact that uh, normal people want to get work done on an iPad. Um, but, but, but the reason is because on the iPad that they realize that they can do so much more and, 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 and everything is so much easier than a PC that the fact that there is an app store and there are all these apps and, and you can just download an app and, and it gets the, the job done and maybe it's, a, it's even a free app so you don't have to spend money. So there is a, a really lower barrier to entry for, for a lot of people, but it's not like these people are stupid or normal in, in the way that we define them. They are people. They just want to, to get 
tasks done and maybe they don't have they don't need to to create workflows maybe they don't need to script an ipad but maybe they just want to to look up recipes or to you know to to write a college paper to 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 read a book and so normal doesn't really de- describe all these uh you know all this situation of the iPad being used as a PC, and uh, and I and I think that this really fits with the with the with the post that the doctor published a few weeks ago about the way that the his wife uses the iPad as a as a as a computer, whereas uh, he, he still needs uh, a Mac. So um, I guess mm, what Stephen wanted to ask is uh, how do you see all these uh, kind of uh, I wouldn't say. Uh, how do you, what do you think about the fact that so many normal people are using an iPad to, for tasks that maybe a few years ago would, would have been, you know, would have been unimaginable for, for a touch display that doesn't have a, uh, the things that a real computer has? Well, I, th- I think it makes perfect sense because the, the iPad is less abstract. Than than any other computer, and, and you know, the, and the same is true of the iPhone. But obviously, the, the small size of the iPhone limits it uh, uh, to some in some ways. I mean, I think um, the, the word "normal" in in our community uh, is used as an insult. Of course, we we like to pretend that we're making fun of us when we talk about normal people, but really, we're making fun of those people who don't really know how to use computers. And, and we're kind of trying to hide our distaste for them when we talk about them. But we, that's clearly wrong. And um, not only because those normal people are our parents or our wives or our children or our friends or our neighbors or, or brothers and sisters, the normal people are all around us. And they're not idiots, they're smart people. They're just as smart as we are. They just don't have the odd interest in computers that we have. You know, you, you mentioned, Federico, about like looking up recipes and things. You may, I, I can remember in, uh, in the 70s when personal computers were coming around and you had the Apple II and you had the Commodore 64 and the Radio Shacks and things like that, one of the big alleged selling points of computers was you could keep your recipes on a computer. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's... Why would you buy a two to three thousand dollar device to keep recipes on i don't know and of course most people didn't but if you think about how computers worked at that time imagine the tremendous pain you would have to go through to get your recipes into computer form you'd have to type every damn thing in there'd be no scanning there was no internet where you could download things and then maybe edit things around the edges to add your own touch to a, to a recipe. No, you would have to enter it all from scratch in a, in a way that, in, into a system that probably wasn't meant to handle it anyway. And if there was, if there was a field that you needed and it didn't exist in the database, well, you're screwed. You'd have to do something else. It was horrible. The only people who had any interest in entering recipes into computers were nerds like us. Regular people, people who actually cooked, had no interest in it whatsoever. Now, 
with the 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 te- the immediacy and uh, there's no word as tactility is there anyway but 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 the way that you can touch and manipulate data almost directly on computers that has opened them up to so many people you know the the uh, post by Ben Thompson that I linked to uh, in in my post it was called whose iPad life where mm-hmm. he's talking about getting uh, he gets an email from his mom after his mom has just landed uh, I think in Hong Kong uh, after after a long flight from the states and it was it, it, that post is spectacular and Ben got everything in it exactly right his mom did not celebrate the fact that she was able to send him an email when she got off and into the airport off the plane and into the airport but it was clearly something that was unthinkable just a few years earlier and it was unthinkable because even if his mom had had a laptop she would almost certainly not have been able to connect to wi-fi uh, with it is it because connecting to wi is it because she's dumb no it's not because she's dumb obviously she's not dumb she did it when she had an ipad it's because the ipad has made things that ought to be easy easy Probably, I mean, certainly there's there's no question. There's still a long way to go for all of these things. But that has been the march of computing, is to make things that ought to be easy, easy. And then to start making things that are difficult, easy. In, in, or easier. Um, it's a weird thing. Um, when I was, you know, I didn't go into computer science um, when I was an undergraduate because... I thought everybody was going to know how... This is how stupid I am. I thought everybody was going to learn how to program Hmm. uh, pretty soon because it didn't seem that hard to me to program. And I figured, well, everybody's going to learn to program. Going going into computer science is is like... It's like a dead end. So this is why I I am not wealthy Uh, because if if I had gotten in on the ground floor, things might have been different in my life. But it's... what, What people thought of computers for all the way up until certainly into the into the well into the personal computer revolution say into into the 80s people thought of computers as being able to handle extremely difficult jobs that were that couldn't be handled otherwise so like in in my uh, line of work engineering they were able to do computations that you simply couldn't do by hand that's what a computer was for. And we've now learned that computers are not just for these ridiculously hard tasks that are that are impossible to do. They're they're there for us to communicate with one another. And that's that's not a hard task at all, typically. I mean, we can talk you can talk to anybody. You can write anybody a letter, but they've changed the way we do communication and made the ease of talking to somebody who's in the room across from you making the ease of that the same as the ease that I'm now talking to somebody who's in Italy and somebody who's in London. Um, and nobody nobody has... Do people really have trouble with Skype? Skype sometimes doesn't work, right? Something because of network issues and things like that. But Skype, the program, is pretty straightforward, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah. I think the problems that we... Have, the problems that we have are... oh is not a problem that would exist if it wasn't being recorded. 
Exactly. Exactly. You know, if you have, if your connection goes funny and you're talking to, as I was doing a few years ago, you're talking to your daughter in Europe when she's doing a semester abroad, uh, you know, oh, the connection's a little bit bad. Well, I'll call back later. It's, it's not a big deal, you know. Um, obviously, when you're trying to do it for your job, as you're doing, you get a little bit more frustrated for it. In fact, if you cut out complaints about Skype from podcasts, I'm sure that every podcast would come in at under an hour. <laughs> but so, but but still, using the program itself is there, you push the button, okay? And and when Mike, when you called me to start this, you know, my computer went bloop bloop bloop, and I pushed a button, and now we're talking. And, Doctor, and four do you, of, do you think four that, of us are talking? It's amazing. Do you think that maybe people don't get surprised anymore by by computers because everything it is is just Uh, granted and obvious I think that's good though uh, I mean I get surprised because I know and I'm sure you guys do too because you know a little bit more about under the hood how difficult certain things must be but but people who don't know how difficult it is to do certain things under the hood expect it to work easily because what the you know I want to talk to my friend Mike Shouldn't I be able to just push the button and talk to my friend Mike? Yeah. The answer is yes, you should. And as as software engineers have have eventually figured out, that's that's important. Getting people, getting your software so that people can use it, is a big deal. Like my um, saying about that, my my mother was very um, surprised and happy the other day when she was able to do all of her grocery shopping on her iPhone in the app for the supermarket because she complained to me that she was she hated queuing up in the supermarket I was like well just buy it online and I came and then I spoke to her and I came home and she had, she had done it all she yeah. I I didn't need to be involved at all I downloaded yeah, the application for her. I came home and she'd spent the time going around and she'd entered all the information and she was able to scan the items in the house with the camera, scan the barcodes. You live or in, she a, could just enter. in a world of the future, my friend. <laughs> Why is, the, is I that? Can, I, I have like nothing in Memphis that could do that for me. Like, oh. like I so know. Walmart. I, I have to. I have to go to the grocery store like an animal. Ah. In, in yeah, person. but your groceries would be delivered by FedEx. <laughs> it's in true. Memphis. It's we true. don't even have supermarkets here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just kill animals. And, and we, <laughs> Where did? <laughs> What animal does pasta come from? I don't know the animal of pasta. Like when I was a kid, my my my, my father my father tried to convince me that candies came from the tree of candy, and and I was like, I, I think that I was five or six, and I actually believed the story uh, until I got into elementary school, and and a friend of mine um, offered me a candy, and I was like, oh, so you have uh, the tree of candy too, and, uh, and yeah, uh, I looked really dumb. Yeah. That's there amazing. Is, there is nothing more fun than telling lies to your kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is that it's just it is just I I um I tried to convince my youngest son that he was growing wings. And I uh, <laughs> That's, come on, why show, would you do that? 
<laughs> that his shoulder blades were were a little point, and I was trying to point out, to, oh yeah, your your wings. Some kids, some people do grow wings, and and he was a little too old. I started it too late. I, I if if I had started like a year earlier, I I could have gotten him. And I also would have helped if I had gotten some uh, some support from his older brother, but you know, older brother didn't want to play along. Did, That's like the perfect older brother prank. It, it should be yes, you would think so until uh, until he tries to fly off the roof, and then then you well, feel bad. Well, you, you know, I mean, if you, if the wings don't have feathers yet, you know you can't fly. So, you know, come on, Stephen. <laughs> I, I will say, Mike, you know, your, your story about your mom, and I don't, I, I, I hesitate to have, to put my wife on, use, use my wife the way a lot of people say, oh, your mom, my mom is this way. The mom is always <laughs> the, the, the non-technical person. Uh, dads are usually pretty dumb, too, in, in those ways. Um I think the difference is dad usually doesn't try. Mom is usually willing to give it a try. Mm. But when I bought, uh, I, I did write a post about this. I have a, uh, a, a new printer. Uh, I, I bought a wireless, a Wi-Fi printer for the home. And um, I bought it specifically so that we could do air printing because, because my wife never uses the computer anymore. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to be able to print things. There are a lot of things that come from school or other forms that come along and that have to be printed out. Okay, fine. I will get a Wi-Fi printer, and I bought one, and I, you know, I set it up with my Mac, and I set it up with my with my phone, and actually setting it up with my Mac was, unsurprisingly, not as easy as setting it up with my phone. What? Ha- how did how did I set it up with my phone? Well, I didn't really do anything at all. I just kind of oh, there it is. I can print to it. Good, and I was going to go down and tell my wife. Oh look, I've got this installed. I'm, you know, I was going to go downstairs and tell her hey, I've got this thing installed. Before I could do that, there was a piece of paper coming out of the printer, and it was from her. It, it was spectacular because she knew I had the printer. She knew I was setting it up. She said, "Oh, let me see if I can print from it." Boom, I can, and yeah. that is how it should work. And we, and you know, computer enthusiasts like us often miss the control. And the the um, deep inner knowledge that you know, we we think it's important to have that, and sometimes it is important to have that. No question, it helps to be, to have some some of that knowledge. But these things that make things easier for everybody else, and and allow other people to do things that we can already do, they make our life easier too. And uh, you know, it's not a matter of dumbing down; it's making it the way it ought to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the I mean, people it, I, I, I a, deal with on a regular basis who use computers and often use them very badly are are professionals. They are lawyers. They're engineers. These are not stupid people. They make some really dumb mistakes with their computers, but it's because they don't care. Mm-hmm. They, they do not care about knowing how a computer works or, or the best way to use it. They only care about getting some things done. So, yes, they will print a document out that is a computer-generated document. They'll print it out, then scan it, and then send it to me. And it drives me up a wall, not because I care that they wasted their time, or that usually they wasted their secretary's time. I care only because um, the file size is bigger than it ought to be, and, and I also don't have it in a machine-readable format, typically, by that time. I mean, I don't have the OCR the OCR'd version, mm-hmm. and I'd rather have the original. But that's it's a minor thing. They do that. Why do they do that? They do that because... On their computer, they don't have a thing that just says, oh, email this document as it is. 
they think they have to go through those other steps because it's not obvious to them that they could just email the document. And that's a, that's a problem in the software. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a continuation of what we were talking about earlier. Of, you know, Technology starts as this big, scary, loud, heat-producing thing that you're you know, behind a locked door and it, it's bringing it closer. I mean, it's it's that sort of story just inside your home now, right? Like, oh, my Mac has to use a driver that I had downloaded from the internet. That's crazy. And when the iPad can just do it. Yeah. So how yeah. would you sum up in a, in, a, in, a, in a quick thought going from punch cards to fart apps? Well, <laughs> I think it's been, it's, it is... It is. Um, it has been quite a journey, you know, right? We we did well. We did we did know how to fart back in the seventies. Uh, the technology had been invented, but we could not disseminate it across the world. And I and I think we're we're far better off now. Um, we, you know, it's uh, people used to use line printers to print out uh, Playboy centerfolds, and it was you know they were made out of characters. That were that were printed, and you had to stand twenty five feet away from them to be able to recognize what what you were see what you were looking at. Um, so the uh, the desire for prurient stuff and fun and and being naughty is always around. It's just we've made things so much easier. And I, I would I would say that's this is not short, but I would say uh, you know that's progress. Uh, going from fanfold paper of a Playboy centerfold to a to a fart app that you can download in a second is that's progress. That's made the last thirty five years worthwhile. Hmm. Doctor Drang, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show of us. It's uh, we'll have to have you back again. I, I hope that that uh, you would like to to join us again sometime in the future. I would. Sorry, I talked so long, but it's well. We hope you, that you would. You get me worked up. <laughs> okay. Can I say so? Uh, if you want to follow along with all of us online, you can do that, and you can find the good doctor. He is at Doctor Drang on Twitter. That's D R D R A N G, and he writes at leancrew.com. Of course, we'll have all of those in the show notes. Where are the show notes? You may ask. Well, I will tell you. They're at five by five TV slash prompt slash twenty five. If you'd like to find Stephen online, you can do so. He writes at five twelve pixels.net, and he is at ismh. Federico is at uh, maxstories.net and he is at Fetici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I am iMike at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And uh, we have an account for the show too. Uh, you guys continue to send great feedback in there and we love it. It's at underscore the prompt. So until next week, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt and uh, we'll be back. Say goodbye, gentlemen. Arrivederci. Adios. Bye. <laughs>